book of Galatians, chapter 6. Not really a book, I should say the letter. It's not large enough to be a book. But Paul's epistle, his letter to the church at, to the churches in region. Galatia was a region, it's not a city. So Galatians are not people in one particular city, but there are people in a region. It's called Galatia, one of the regions in the Roman Empire in Asia Minor. Oh, it's good to be here today. We do welcome our fellow saints and members from Chocowinity. We're delighted to have them. Good to see all of you back. Amen. We... um, I've been sharing with you on how to sow to the Spirit, and I want to get quite a bit accomplished today and this afternoon. I feel like this is a fundamental message. I feel like it's, it's absolutely critical and essential to our life as a Christian. Sometimes we can become so familiar with the language of Christianity that we forget the practice of Christianity. Sometimes we can amen the sermon, know the verse, grasp the principle, but it sometimes is woefully absent from our lifestyle. I don't want to just talk about the fruit of the Spirit. I want to bear the fruit of the Spirit. I don't want to just have that nice, verse that lists those nine beautiful fruit that makes a wonderful picture on your living room wall. It's of no value if it goes no further than that. The world needs the good taste of Jesus again. And they're going to do that as they partake of our lives. Whatever the world experiences of you is what they see of Jesus. If someone tastes of your life, if someone experiences your presence, that's what they will think of Jesus. So I want to I want to talk about this again. We're going to begin to read in verse 7. Just read our text. I read the whole chapter or a good portion of it last time. I'm just going to read our text this morning. Focus on some things there. Let's let's look at it again. He said, "Be not deceived." I reckon he says that because it's a possibility you can be. Makes no fruit or reason for Paul to say that unless there's a possibility you can be deceived. Imagine about such a simple thing that the folks can be deceived on it. But he said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. In other words, nobody makes a fool out of God. For whatsoever a man soweth, that, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to thee spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. 
And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, we shall reap. Not just He, but we shall reap. If we faint not. Say amen to God's Word. You may be seated this morning. I took some time in my first message here last Sunday morning and shared with you from the passage itself and gave explanation to the verses. And though I will mention a few things, I'm not going back to explain that today, but I want to focus on this passage of sowing and talking about tonight how, or this morning rather, how to sow to the Spirit. That's the sowing we want to have, right? We don't want to sow to the flesh, we want to sow to the Spirit. How to sow to the Spirit. So I, I gave explanation of the verses, some verses last time, dealt a little bit with the context, some things we can draw from that. And today I want to focus on this business of sowing and reaping. I want to talk about the rules. And then I want to talk about the reaping. I may get to some of the reaping today, if not, or, or this morning. If not, I will do it this afternoon. So I want to talk about the rules involved in sowing and reaping. And then I want, to, I want to deal with the reaping itself. How do I reap a harvest? How do I sow to the Spirit so I can reap the Spirit and life everlasting? What is that? What is everlasting life? It sounds good. But what's it look like? What is it? We've said it so much. We've quoted the verses. Yeah, I'm going to have eternal life. So what's that? I'm going to live forever. So are people in hell. They're going to exist forever. They're going to talk forever. They're going to hear forever. They're going to see forever. They're going to know forever. It's not about the length of existence. It's about the quality of existence. The day you were created, you were created an eternal soul. You will exist forever. You will never be annihilated, no matter whether that be in a condition or an atmosphere of death or an atmosphere of life. It is not so much eternal existence we're after. We're not after quantity as much as we are quality. We want a certain type of existence, and that's what eternal life is, but we'll deal with that. As we get to that, what does it look at? These are simple questions that I feel like we must answer. So I want to talk about the rules, some of which I mentioned, and I'll, I'll briefly state again last Sunday morning. There is rule number one in this business of sowing to the Spirit called personal responsibility. Do you know what? God will give the farmer a harvest. And uh, if he goes and he plants his seed, but there is no farmer that has ever reaped a harvest without sowing seed. I don't care how hard you pray. You can walk out in the middle of the field. You can get in that field and you can pray. You can fast and say, God, I want a harvest. I want, Lord, corn and I want three bushels for every so many square feet, whatever. I want, Lord, this much. I want beautiful corn. I want corn I can sell. You can pray that all day long, but if you never put any seed in the ground, you're not going to get a harvest, all right? There is an element of personal responsibility. There's things that God can only do and 
there's things that only you can do. There are things that God will not do for you. He will not sow to the Spirit for you. That's your part. He will do His part and be faithful to it. You've got to do your part. There is no sense or there is no semblance of Christianity that is true that obliterates or takes away personal responsibility. You will find that in everything we do that we, in order to receive the salvation of God, we must believe and we must repent. God will not believe for you. God will not repent for you. God will save you, but you must present yourself in faith and repentance. We circumcise ourselves. God circumcises us. God works in us. We work out our own salvation. God works in us. All of this, you can never bear fruit without doing your part. So I want you to understand this process of reaping a harvest and sowing to the Spirit is not going to be a given or an automatic process. You are going to have to do some things and if you'll do them, you'll reap. If you don't do them, you won't. It's that simple. It's that simple. Personal responsibility. Don't expect a free ride this morning. Don't expect me to preach to you a Christianity that gives you a freebie that lets you get by without any effort on your part, without any sacrifice, without ever giving, without any diligence, without any involvement. There is no Christian experience where it's all one-sided. Secondly, this idea of sowing is the idea of doing. You must do what is good. That's the thing that Paul emphasizes in between talking about the fruit of the Spirit, which is the harvest that we are in expectation of, and then the idea of sowing that will produce that very harvest. Paul talks about things that we do. He talks about restoring a brother. He talks about bearing burdens. He talks about self-examination so and realizing you're responsible to tote your own hide to market. He talks about uh, uh, partnering up with the teachers so that you do what is good. He talks about as much as you have opportunity, do good unto all men. He said, let us not be weary in well or good doing. So the emphasis in the passage is this. Sowing is literally doing what is good. And so that Paul would tell us, when you're doing good works, you weren't saved by works, but you were saved for works. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. They will see your works. There is no harvest without work. There is no harvest without labor. There's no reaping without doing. Even reaping itself. Even reaping itself involves labor. There is no easy harvest. Harvest time can be intensive. Harvest time can be very, very intensive and labor intensive and very exhausting. But I'm telling you, there's a joy of it. So there is labor in sowing. There's labor in reaping before there can be any delight in simply enjoying the fruits of the labor. Good doing what is good. That's the life of obedience to the truth and the word. And I emphasize that this past Sunday. And let me say to you on the other side, I want to 
bring in from time to time. I'm not making it my focus, but I want you to see there is also no labor, or I should say no harvest in sin without doing. There's certain things you must do. It is that as men commit themselves to doing certain sins, they will reap corruption. Not everybody reaps the same level of corruption because they don't have the same level of activity. Depending upon the depth of your activity in sin will determine the depth of your corruption in sin. Now all sin corrupts. Understand that. You sow to the flesh, you'll get a harvest, but some sow more than others and some reap more corruption than others. That's just a fact. And in the church, some sow more than others. Some bear fruit 30-fold, some 60, some 90, some 100. I don't know about you, but I want an abundant harvest. And if there's ever a time we needed an abundant harvest in the church of Jesus Christ, it's now. We don't need barren fields. We don't need fields that testify to a lazy life, a life of indolence, a life of just not working and being slothful. We need a field that testifies to a congregation that is diligent in the work of God. It takes work to produce the harvest. Thirdly, those are things I talked about, but thirdly, this principle I want to bring home. There's another rule in sowing and reaping. It's a rule I just simply call time. Sowing and reaping are not quick, instantaneous processes. Some longer than others. Some fruits will take longer in your life to produce. Some can be produced fairly rapidly. Some plants, you can sow mushrooms and grow them pretty quick. But if you want to grow trees, it will take some time. And so sowing and reaping are not something that's fast. Fruit is not grown overnight. Paul says we reap if we don't become weary, if we do not faint. If we don't lose heart, why would you lose heart? You're not going to lose heart if it's a two-day process. You're not going to give up and get exhausted if it's just something that happens over a very short period of time. But it's exhausting. That It's labor-intensive. There's a lot of time. It's sowing and waiting. It's cultivating. It's, it's, it's working and tilling and, and weeding and, and cultivating. And then when the harvest is coming out, then it's hard work harvesting and being able to put it in a place, in a condition so it can be beneficial to you for the future. It's a time-intensive time process. It's an exhausting process. And if you relax, if you become weak, if you become weary, if you wish to give up, if you were looking for a quick fix, if you were looking for quick growth, if you were looking for God to make you a super-duper saint overnight, if you were looking for God to take you from, from being a nobody to being somebody that Christianity is going to see as the, the essence of what it is to live a Christian life, I'm telling you there are no microwave saints. There are no super-duper supermans uh, that go into a Holy Ghost phone booth uh, and can change their garments and come out the powerhouse uh, that's going to win the world. It doesn't happen. Uh, for a harvest of the Spirit, you've got to be willing uh, to give time to this business of sowing and reaping. I would tell you that's the same in sin as it is in Christ. There are a lot of folks, they sow their wild oats in their teens. 
but it will be 30s and 40s before they begin to reap the full consequences of their sowing. It's an amazing that what you do at 18 and 20, it seems like you can do it and get by. You do it, you get up, you recover, you recoup quickly. You can take a hit, you can break a bone, you can get sick. You bounce back fast. But when you get older, you don't bounce as good. And you'll find out that all of that sowing comes back to produce a harvest of corruption. It takes time, even in sin. We have not yet seen the harvest of the decisions our government makes today. We have not seen the full fruit of what is happening in America today. It may not look that bad. You haven't seen it. It is today we are reaping what we sowed in the 60s. It's today we are reaping, decades later, the wickedness, the rebellion, the the the, the, the lifestyles of, of sexual promiscuity. Now we are beginning to reap that corruptive harvest in this country and that those people are now grandparents. Yes, sir. They are grandparents and we're seeing two generations that have now been raised up in a spirit of rebellion and it's produced a tyrannical government. It's produced a nation that's gone far from God. We didn't get here yesterday. We didn't arrive here in the election in two 2020, we arrived here because years ago we sowed some seed in this country of rebellion and independence from God. I wanted to let everything go and give our liberty as an occasion to the flesh. And today we are reaping a harvest of corruption. If you are not willing to give time to it, You go to church, you hear a message, you go home, you make a promise, you make a resolution, and you think it's all good. I'm the super-duper saint now. My marriage is perfected overnight. My children are going to instantaneously become the best-behaved children in the world, not unless you're willing to give time to the process. Time is an essential commodity in the process of sowing and reaping. There are seasons. You reap in due season. You must also sow in due season. I'm going to tell you right now, there have been many times we've had times for sowing and we've missed it. And we didn't have reap when the time came to reap because we missed it when the time came to sow. You can't just sow any time of the year. You can't just sow any old time. These are time-sensitive processes. And I'm telling you, There's going to be times in your life that you are going to have to live in some respect. If I can say this, you're going to have to have garnered enough strength because you're going to go through a valley when it's going to look like God is nowhere around. You're going to go through a time of testing when it looks like the heavens are brass and your prayers are not answered. You better have built some faith. You better have built some strength so that you are able to endure the test and to go through. But you're not able to reap on the faith you've sowed if you've not sowed anything and when the time comes for many people and they're having to face that valley they're having to face that long stretch they don't have anything to draw on they have nothing to rely back on nothing's in their barns their barns are empty because they never sowed when they should have sowed they played games instead of sowing and being able to reap and draw on the harvest time sensitive thirdly fourthly 
There's a principle of dependence. You can plant seed. You can have good soil. But that alone will not bring the harvest. There are things in this process, if it's in nature or in the spirit, that are impossible to take place without a divine intervention. Without divine providence. Without the created order that God has ordained. There are things in nature that God has ordained to produce the harvest and that you can take a couple of kernels of corn and drop them in the ground and cover them with dirt and that later on you can reap a stalk, a couple of ears from a couple of kernels. That's a fact. But I'm telling you something, that you have nothing to do with that process that's going on in the soil. Oh, glory. You're not able to control that. That sometimes is our problem. We're going out and we dig it up to see what's happening and we're not willing to be patient and let God do his work. I'm telling you in the in the work of sowing and reaping there's things that you've got to give time God to do. There's things that you've got to let God work on. You've got to let God do his part. You've got to let nature take its process. The nature that God has created. And then I will tell you that sometimes nature gets moved upon and gets interfered in and God has to reach down. He will control the rain. He will say when the water comes from heaven and when the heavens are shut up, he opens the doors and closes the doors. And I'm going to tell you something. There's our responsibility, but you better know you are also dependent. You want to try to produce joy by yourself? Hang it up. You want to try to produce love by yourself? Hang it up. You want to try to produce temperance and meekness by yourself? Hang it up. Unless you're willing to trust in God and say, God, only you can do this in me. I need you to produce this. I will do my part, but God, if you don't do your part, I am of no value. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. He said, it's he that soweth that will reap. And let me tell you something as well. The farmer is not just dependent. Let me say it to you this way. He is dependent upon processes that happen external to himself, outside of his control. A farmer will not control the wind or the rain or the sun. He cannot control what happens in the ground. And how the soil interacts with the seed. He can't control that. This business of sowing is such that you are not going to do this and reap independently. You're not going to produce joy apart from the church. You're not going to have a harvest of love without the church. It's not going to happen. There's going to be, this is what Paul says. He says, he that soweth. He goes from the singular to the plural and he says, we shall reap if we faint not. 
You see, the reaping of love in your life, the reaping of peace in your life is not only going to be a blessing to you. It's not only going to be fruitfulness in your life. It's going to be a blessing to the church. When you have personal peace, it brings corporate peace. When you have personal joy, it contributes to the corporate joy. When you have personal love, it contributes to the love of the body. And at the same time, the fruit that is developed in your life is going to be developed as you interact with others, as you are in the company of saints, as you must bear burdens of the people of God, as you interact your life with them. Do not get this idea that this church is just a Sunday meeting hall, that it's just a church place, a place where we come to have our membership meetings, and that's all there is to it. It will not happen. There is no Christianity where you develop a Christian life apart from the interaction of the saints and the body of Jesus Christ. We want to sequester ourselves. Our homes have become so nice that they become hideaways, refuges. I've watched them at places in Africa. I've watched them at places in other countries. They'll hang around and spend time together because you know what? When they go home, they're not going home to a nice sealy mattress. They're not going home to carpeted floors, climate-controlled atmospheres, air-conditioned homes. Buddy, when the only thing that awaits you after church is a mud hut, you don't get too excited about home. You'd rather be in the company of the saints. You're getting far more, but our homes have become so pleasant. They become. I'm not against us having a nice place to go. I'm just telling you, if you want to try to sequester yourself and hide yourself away in your house and sit back and say, I don't need the interaction of the brothers. I'm here to tell you, you have no harvest. You have no harvest apart from spending time with one another, being together, and you and I interacting. It is through our interaction that we develop our character. Plants don't produce without bees. Hello. They don't just happen. There's forces that must be at work. Then there's the principle of the seed. No one makes a fool of God. The idea of sowing and reaping is the idea of the multiplication of something. There is something desired. There is something that you believe will be a profit and a benefit to you. And so there you sow so much, but you want to reap so much more. So in other words, something in your life that you want to multiply, then that's what you sow. You will notice that in our, in our uh, prosperity doctrines of today, when they talk, about, they talk about your seed of faith, but it's not faith that they sow. It's money that they sow. Why? Because that's the harvest that they want. 
They want a harvest of dollars, so they sow dollars. And that's what they're really preaching. They won't express it that way, but that's what they're preaching. Sow your dollars into my ministry so God can give you more dollars. Oh, yes, I gave a $100 check. I didn't have anything but $100. I gave my last $100 to God, and I got a check in the mail for $1,000 next week. That tells you what they want. They want a harvest of wealth, material wealth. And so they sow wealth to get wealth. I'm going to tell you right now, if you want love, you got to sow love. If you want joy, you got to sow rejoicing. If you want peace, you got to sow the things that make for peace. And if you in your life must realize, what do I want multiplied? What do I want an abundance of? If you want an abundance of self-attention and self-glory, then sow yourself to give yourself to your personal development for display. Develop your talents for the purpose of impressing others. Find ways in which you can make your abilities known to other people and you will reap a harvest of applause and certificates and trophies. But I will tell you, that is still sowing to the flesh because one day the trophy will tarnish and one day your smooth flesh will become wrinkly and one day your body that's full of health and vigor will become old and bent over and it will no longer work because you have sown corruption but if you will sow to the spirit even though the body may fade away the glory of God can still shine from the countenance you and I must understand that in this business there's a seed what is the seed that will produce the harvest what do you want multiplied in your life nobody would plant if you got three kernels of corn for planting three kernels of corn what a ridiculous process if I had to go out just to get an ear of corn, if I have to sow an ear to corn to get an ear of corn, that is a fruitless process. But God has so made this that with some diligence and effort and sowing a seed, you can reap an entire plant. Ooh. Even though it's time, listen to me, even though it's time intensive, it is something that is abundant in the results that come from it. So I am telling you, with some serious effort in your life, some serious sowing in your life, you can reap a harvest that will be far more than you even anticipated. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Yes, you had to wait. Yes, you had to labor. But I'm going to tell you what came out on the other end will far exceed your expectations because God in his law of sowing and reaping will bring far more than you sow. He will multiply your seed sown. He will give the harvest and you will come back rejoicing, bringing your sheaves with you. Glory to the Lamb of God and you who went out with a sack of seed will come back with sheaves and a harvest. If this church will give itself to the process, we will not be able to count the result of what God brings to us in return. This is a process seen throughout Scripture. You know, the Bible uses the seed and the, the illustration of planting in nature many times in Scripture. Jesus used it profusely. 
whole parables, parable of the sower, parable of the mustard seed, the wheat and the tares. He talked about the birds and seed and they sow, they sow not, neither do they plant, but God takes care of them. How much more us? Because we do sow and plant. If God takes care of those whose role was not to sow and plant and still takes care of them, how much more is he going to take care of us whose role is to sow and plant? Birds don't stir up or I'm sorry, store up. They got to gather it every day. They've got to go out every day hunting for their food. Squirrels can do some storing, but I'm telling you, every day the birds got to go, but you and I, oh, hallelujah, God can give us a harvest. I'm just going to tell you, there's never a time in which you should ever let down your guard, but I'm telling you, you can work in Christ, and there can come a time of relaxing after the harvest. There can come a time when the church does take some time to rejoice and enjoy the great blessings that God has poured upon our lives. And I am not talking about your bank account. But it's this process of getting back what you put in an even greater amount. The scripture says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. I get amazed at people that, that, that talk and get so upset. Nobody does anything for me. Nobody gives me this. Nobody gives me that. I could answer your dilemma, but I'd hurt your feelings. The reason no one gives to you is because you give to no one. You're not a giving person, so you're not going to be able to receive. No society can survive if everybody is a receiver. Hey, buddy, the government gives what they don't have, first of all. And secondly, what they give is ours. And if the whole world becomes or the whole nation becomes a receiver, nobody's going to plant. There is no such thing as a free ride or a free lunch. He says, whoever sows sparingly shall reap sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. It's the merciful who obtain mercy. You receive a prophet in the name of a prophet. You get a prophet's reward. You receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man. You get a righteous man's reward. You get back what you sow. You get the exact same thing but in greater quantities. Oh yes, sow to the flesh. Sow a little bit of sexual promiscuity. You will get a bondage. You will get a passion that will get a hold of you and it will come in a greater way. You, I'm telling you, sow a little bit to the line. Sow a little bit to that flesh and those works and dimensions of the flesh back in Galatians chapter 5 and the corruption you reap will always be greater than what you sowed. A few lies will reap you a harvest of maybe a job loss, a marriage destroyed. It was only a little lie, but it was enough to destroy the relationships that you have. A trust broken is hard to regain. So this is the principle in the scripture. Then there's the principle of the soil. There are only two soils mentioned here, flesh and spirit. 
Do you know you cannot sow a seed in two fields at the same time? Could you imagine a farmer that says, I got some seeds and I'm going to go sow them in this field and I'm going to go sow them in that field. That's fine. You have to divide your seeds up. No, I'm going to sow the same one. I'm going to sow them over here and I'm going to sow them over there. Uh, I don't know what planet you came from and what drugs you're on, but you're not going to make it, pal. Okay? You can only sow in one field at a time. That's it. No seed can be sown in two fields. The flesh doesn't receive the seed of the Spirit. No. This implies direction. This means when you look at the soil, do you know the farmer has to engage the soil in order to plant? I don't know. I know today these are things. You must realize these things are given to us in a time when the, it, it was an agricultural-based society. But not only that, the, the instruments of sowing and reaping were still hand instruments before the days of, of machinery. I mean, we've kind of got today, and we're, we're still not there entirely, but we do everything from the nice cabin, air-conditioned cabin of a tractor, you know. And we just plant, we harvest, we do everything from back there. But someone's still got to work on the tractor. You're going to still get some hands greasy somewhere. You're going to still get your hands dirty somewhere. The farmer has to engage the soil in order to plant the seed. He's got to come in contact with it. He's got to get in the field. You can't sow from a distance. Oh, come on now. You can't sow to the Holy Ghost if you want to stay apart from Him. You can't sow to the Spirit if you want to live your life separated from the people of God. If you want to sow to the Spirit, you got to get in close. You got to get your hands. You got to engage the soil. Soil. In the parable of the sower, soil was everything. Some sowed on fell on hard ground, some on stony ground, some among thorns, some on good ground. The ground was essential. Essential. What was in the soil mattered. Oh, hallelujah. There's everything in the Spirit. The soil of the Spirit is completely sufficient to produce the harvest of life. Woo. Some soils are inadequate. I remember early years ago, and I'm not going to say we, I'll say my wife and daughters. I do not like farming. God never called me to be a farmer. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, I'll tell you, I'm thankful for that. I don't like to plant. I don't like to till gardens. I don't like, I love to eat what comes from them, but I have no interest in that kind of labor. It's not who I am. But my wife likes that thing. And we used to plant. I got, here I am. Got that mouse in my pocket. We. Not we. She. And the girls. They used to plant. And I helped in some regards. But, but very little. And they would plant in our backyard certain things. And I just remember that many times what we planted. Or they planted. Didn't work out too well. Plant some tomatoes. And they just always seemed to rot on the vines. I don't know. This problem. Too much rain. Too much this. Too much that. Um, the. I remember, I think it was by the C.B. Mizell, we talked to him one day about it, and he said, yeah, that always was sorry soil over there. 
Thank you. Oh, thank you, brother. You know, I'm glad I didn't buy those two acres to plant me a garden. Hallelujah, because I'm going to be disappointed uh, because it just, you know, it just seems like a lot of work and we some, some types of plants would go very well. Others just wouldn't go very well. The soil matters. And I'm telling you in your life, the Holy Ghost is fertile soil. Oh, glory. If you'll sow to the Spirit, you will be able to reap an abundance you won't have to worry about a failure on the part of the soil. And then there's some basic rudiments that I want to mention here. These are things that as we look at each of these fruit that we want to produce and how to do that as we look at that, there are certain things and activities that are general. They must be done that all of these fruit will not be produced apart from these basics. And let me give you four. Number one, faith. You know, even farmers, do you realize how much they may not admit it? But it takes a great amount of faith to plant a thousand acres of wheat and take time and energy and investment. One eastern North Carolina hurricane and everything goes down the drain. Everything. What faith it takes to produce or to plant acres of corn that are rightfully timed tornado will make it all in vain and thousands and thousands of dollars will be lost and hours of labor will be for nothing. It takes faith to go out and do that and plant. You could count what I'm just counting up the odds. That's I don't care if you are. However you want to explain it, buddy, but there's a man of faith in this. Because I will tell you that you understand that the principles of God, if you don't believe that God is the source, if you don't know where to go, if you don't know who produces this, you won't do it. I'm going to tell you, if you're not a true Christian, you'll never give yourself to sowing to the Spirit. I'm going to tell you, if you don't really want this kind of fruit, you're not going to plant it. If you don't see that it's what God wants, if you don't see that it's God's character, faith has got to see something that's in God. Faith has got to see the potential of the harvest. Faith has got to see this is the kind of person I need to be. And if you have no faith, you will do no sowing. Everything flows from that. The just live by faith. Even in 2 Peter 1, he says, add to your faith or supply your faith. All that comes after that, the brotherly love, the kindness, the, the love, uh, uh, the virtue, and, and, and everything that comes after that. He says, add to your faith. Literally, it is supply your faith. It begins with this business of faith. Faith is where it all starts. That's where it all begins. With faith that's once delivered to the saints, we have like precious faith with the apostles. We're believing in the same Holy Ghost. 
You say, I don't understand how that early church had it. I'll tell you why. They had the Holy Ghost and they sowed. They sowed and they reaped. They sowed and they sowed and they sowed and they reaped far more than they ever thought. Oh, glory to the Lamb of God. Jesus said, I'm even leaving you or sending you to reap where you didn't sow. I'm going to let you go to fields and reap a harvest where you did not plant. Oh, I'm telling you, our God is able. The same Holy Ghost of the early church is the same Holy Ghost of the present day church. You got to believe that. How great is your desire to please God? You know, God is pleased by the harvest. John 15 speaks about the vine, the branches. Jesus made this statement. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Herein is my Father glorified. God is honored. God is glorified when His church is producing an abundant harvest. But if there's no desire to glorify God and please Him, there'll be no harvest. Secondly is prayer. Everything in our life comes by asking. How's your prayer life right now? Don't fall out of your seat, okay? We just come through the holidays. I'm not ignorant. Schedules, sicknesses. Family vacations. Calamities, schedule changes. Our world in the last few weeks has been turned upside down. You've had things happen in your life. But I'm going to tell you something that often suffers is our time spent with God. It's our prayer time. It's that time where we're on our face crying to God. Could it be that God has had to bring so many calamities to us because if we didn't have it, we wouldn't pray? Could it be that the church has been inundated with afflictions because the church has been slack on her knees? The psalmist said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. I'm going to tell you, it's in our afflictions that we cry unto God. It's in our afflictions that we realize, hey, hey, God is many times in our, I'm not saying it's all the time, but a lot of times in our afflictions, God is saying, what about me? Where am I? Come on, church. If we might admit it this morning, our spiritual thermometer is a little bit low. Yes, it might be down in the 40s. We may not be frozen. We may not be at 32, but we ain't on fire either. No, sir. We're somewhere cooling down because our time spent with God has been lacking. There will be no harvest apart from prayer. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask, you can ask, you can ask. Ask what you will, and it will be done unto you. Every day, that's what that branch on the vine is doing. It's asking the root. It's asking the trunk. I need sap. I need sap. I need sap. I need sap. And it's drawing out of the trunk, and the trunk from the root, and the root from the soil, and the branch bears the fruit because it's in a continual state of prayer. 
if you had nature worked like exactly as it works in us spiritually, the physical and spiritual, there are lessons that we can learn, but they're not exact parallels oftentimes. That if you could take your stethoscope and you could go up to the branch of the tree in springtime and put it home there, this probably doesn't work, but I'm telling you it's what's happening. Why, how did that branch that's been there all winter go from just a brown old bare branch to all of a sudden popping out leaves? I tell you, because of prayer. Yes. If you could put your stethoscope, you'd hear it ask. You'd hear it, I need sap. I need sap. I need sap. I need sap. And it would draw on that trunk. You do not produce a harvest apart from prayer. Paul, to the church at Philippi, to the church at Ephesus, he will pray again and again. He said, I prayed for you that you may be established. He talks about that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. He talks to the church at Ephesus. He says, I have prayed for you and God would strengthen you with might by the inner man that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love that you may know what is the breadth and depth and length and height that you may with all saints comprehend that and he said that you may know the love of God that passes knowledge Paul said I want a greater harvest of love they already loved they already had love Paul said I want more and I'm praying for it I'm asking God to do it in you I'm asking God to work in you I'm asking God to produce it in you you don't produce a harvest apart from prayer a church that wants a great harvest without getting on its knees is deceived. The word. This is the seed ultimately is the word of God. We receive the engrafted word with meekness. It's the scripture that defines the fruit, defines the life and tells us how the fruit is produced. The Holy Spirit leads us through the Word. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he, when he responded to the devil, he didn't look at the devil and say uh, and start speaking in tongues to him. He didn't look at the devil and just say, I rebuke you. He didn't look and say, in the name of Jehovah, I rebuke you. You got no right to come. No, what he did, he quoted the Word because the Word is the sword of the Spirit. <laughs> yeah, the Word is the sword of the Spirit. You can't separate the Holy Spirit from the Word. You can't do that. You can't have a harvest apart from the Word. All of the harvest of life that comes from us comes from the Word of life. The Word is a life. This book is a book of life. Jesus is the author of life. And the book is the expression of that life. It's the expression of Jesus Christ. There is no harvest apart from the Word of God. That's why churches are so shallow that don't have a steady diet of teaching of God's Word. It's the seed. You're birthed by the Word. You're begotten by it. You're saved by it. You're sanctified by it. You're illuminated by it. You're transformed by it. You're fed by it. Now listen to me very carefully. I don't mean this to sting. And it should hit every one of us. I've said it a thousand times. 
The fourth thing that's essential for an abundant harvest is to be filled with the Spirit. You're not going to produce this harvest apart from the Holy Ghost. You sow to the Spirit. And the Spirit-filled life is the life for every believer. God's design for the saint was that they walk in the Spirit. God's design for every believer is that they be filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't be looking at that as some kind of climaxing experience. We need to stop looking at the baptism of the Holy Ghost as something that puts me in an upper echelon, as something that puts me in the in the in class or the in society in the church. If you're saved by faith, you're in the church. If you've been baptized into the body of Christ, if you've turned from your sin and repented and believed in Jesus, you've been brought into the kingdom. You've been birthed into the family of God. You're a son and a child of God. You're a daughter. You're a prince. The king's daughter or a prince, or daughter of the prince and the king. That's who you are. But I'm not talking about your position. I'm talking about your practice. I'm not talking about where you stand. I'm talking about how you walk. And what we need is a life that is lived in the power of the Holy Ghost. And we've got to turn away from this mindset that every time Brother Woods preaches about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we draw up, oh, shriveling up like some brain that has been broken off of the vine. We draw up. There he goes again. Oh, I just tried. I've tried. Quit your trying and start believing. Quit trying to figure out how to get away with it, how to get by with it. Turn your hearts and receive the Holy Ghost and grow and sow and produce a harvest of fruit in the Lord God. And quit talking to me about your Holy Ghost experience of 20 years ago. I want to know what it meant for God to fill you with the Holy Ghost yesterday. Don't talk to me about it, man. I remember when God filled me with the Holy Ghost. Really? That's good. Have you been filled since then? Then I'm going to tell you something. You're not fool. Fullness isn't something that is done once and eternally maintained without any effort on your part. No more than your salvation is wrought once and eternally maintained without any effort on your part. Every work that God does in your heart and in your life requires your stewardship to keep it, your stewardship to maintain it. Everything that God gives you, I'm going to tell you, God gives you a word. God speaks into your heart and in your life something, and it changes you. If you don't maintain it, you'll lose it. Come on now. You can study for years, but if you turn away from it, you'll lose what you gained. You can have a prayer life for a year. It sets you in a spiritual level that you were strong, but if you just go away from it, if you turn and maintain it. You're going to lose it. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost today but if you don't maintain a lifestyle of being continuously filled, you will wind up empty. You'll wind up destroyed and have nothing to produce a harvest. Stand to your feet this morning. This is not rocket science. 
This is not in-depth preaching. Why? Please tell me something. I don't want, I'm not here to hurt. I got to help. Brother Benny, when you go to the doctor, just in a general illustration, and you've got a problem in your life, in your body, in a sensitive area, he is not going to help you unless you can talk to him about that. If you're not willing to say, well, here's what we do. It's like going to the doctor and the doctor says, well, what's wrong? I don't want to talk about it. What's wrong? Well, I, you know, I, 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 I just can't tell you. See how far that gets you. Hello? We don't want to deal with the issue. Because it's sensitive. There are sensitive conversations. There's conversations I don't want to have with just any old doctor. But I'm telling you, I'm not going to get it fixed unless I address it. Unless I say, this is what's happening. This is how I feel. This is my problem. (laughs) This is where I hurt. This is what I did. This is what I'm doing. This is how I'm eating. This is what caused this. Can it be fixed if I'm not willing to address it? I will die in my infirmity. I'm here to tell you, whatever's keeping us from being filled with the Holy Ghost, we've got to address it. We've got to face it. We've got to preach it. We've got to look at it. And we've got to say, God, I need your help. Being filled with the Spirit is not something that's done through labor. It is done through faith. You were not saved by labor, and you won't be filled with the Holy Ghost by labor. Sowing is labor. Receiving the Spirit is faith. But you got to want him. You're going to hear this preacher preach it. Because I know you can't be fruitful without that experience. Without that lifestyle. Please, what are you doing to maintain a life full of the Holy Ghost? How full of the Spirit do you feel right now? It's a tough time. Man, you may be here this morning, you don't feel good. You're getting 10% of what I preach today because you're struggling. I know there's several in here. You probably didn't even feel like coming. I'm glad you came this morning. I'm just glad you're here. But let's, let's look at this thing. Let's be honest. Let's understand something. This isn't automatic. I got to talk about it. I got to address it. I want to harvest. I want life. Quit looking and saying that's the kind of marriage I want. That's the kind of church I want. What are you doing to produce it? What are you doing to get there? What are you doing to 
make it possible. If you do your part, God will give you a harvest. God will give you a harvest. There's plenty of Holy Ghost to lift this church and put us where we need to be. There's plenty of Holy Ghost to give us a harvest and to give us fruit if we will present ourselves unto him. 